A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. This line would set up the two-word title card of what would become synonymous with a multi-billion dollar franchise spanning generations of adoring fans. But the version of the Star Wars logo that appeared in theaters in May 1977 was not the work of George Lucas himself. Nor was it the work of the veteran designer who was contracted to create versions of the logo for movie theater marquees and most of the movie's print advertising, who was new to working on feature films and whose name doesn't even appear in the film's credits. Hold on to your potatoes. This is the story of how the Star Wars logo was created. It was late in the year 1976. If you aren't quite old enough to remember, the original title for the first Star Wars film is just Star Wars. No episode forward, no A New Hope. Those were added later. In fact, the oldest logo for the film used the title The Star Wars while the film was still in pre-production. Several versions of the logo were developed by concept artist Ralph McQuarrie's design team. But as the film moved into production, they commissioned another logo by topographer Dan Perry. Perry's big break came creating the title for The Exorcist, and he had a whole list of blockbuster films work under his belt by that time. Lucas invited him to Industrial Light and Magic, Lucasfilm's post-production facility in Van Nuys, California. Perry sought inspiration from the opening credits of older films, like Union Pacific, which featured the now-famous opening crawl format. Perry designed a bold typeface, dropping the the and simply setting Star Wars in an ultra-bold font that was tapered at the top and wide at the bottom. Perry's design evoked a pulpy feel, similar to the television serials Lucas was so fond of. The logo was approved, at least for the time being. It's important to note that, at this point in production, special effects footage for the film was not yet completed. Some effects were individually done, but there was no edited footage in which the final effects appeared. Those would be realized in post-production. Most of this effect content existed in only one place. The mind of George Lucas. Not one person had actually seen the complete variety of what the director was imagining. It simply existed as a, quote, science fiction film with special effects. It was becoming an expensive undertaking and was requiring more time, labor, and resources to complete than the film's distributor, 20th Century Fox, was comfortable with. There was a lot of tension associated with the film and a lot of contradictions at that time between the distributor, Lucas, and any associated talent. Even logo and image work that needed to be completed early on for marketing purposes was being constantly rejected. For all these reasons and more, no one was eager to meet with Lucas. Except for one 22-year-old art director by the name of Susie Rice. Susie Rice had previous experience working with Rolling Stone magazine and had moved to LA to work at Seinecker Advertising an advertising company that had specialized in creating print marketing materials for Hollywood films. Fox was one of Seinecker's clients, and they needed something called a bid brochure created for a, quote, science fiction special effects movie. At the time, 
Bid brochures were a marketing tool designed to create buzz about an upcoming film and were sent in advance to the film's release to theater managers, giving them a sort of print preview of the film. They would feature movie stills, character profiles, and plot lines. This is pre-internet, remember? Rice got the call and, in her words, was eager to meet with Lucas for two reasons. Enthusiasm for her work and being someone who considered the genre of science fiction interesting and entertaining. She was also the new hire and the perfect person to meet with the director of this already controversial film project. Rice met Lucas and found him interesting. He was quiet, serious, and seemed tired, like all the time. Rice found this familiar, as it reminded her of the editors she'd worked with at Rolling Stone, and she quickly settled in and listened as the director sat behind a large desk in an office overlooking a parking lot in the front of the building. George did his best to describe the film as it existed in his head, waving a yellow pencil around to describe what certain shots with laser effects would look like. His few words to Susie about the brochure's cover logo for the film included that he wanted, quote, something very fascist, intimidating, something that would rival AT&T, and that there was no time to waste, end quote. Rice left ILM and went to work on the design. The night before the meeting, Susie had been reading a book on German type design and how it could be used to provide a bold appearance but still maintain a certain uniformity and forcefulness. Rice settled on Helvetica Black, one of the most famous fonts in the world today. Using a photostat of that font as a reference, she hand drew the two title words on two separate lines, stacking them one above the other and squaring them. She'd make the letters large enough to nearly fill the black cover of the 11 by 14 inch brochure, imagining it as a movie or television screen. She requested a few photostats of her hand-drawn logo and found she liked a reversed version the best, a white outline against a black background. This was the version she would show to George Lucas at their next meeting. It looks like it says Tar War, Lucas would remark upon seeing the first brochure mock-up. He liked the idea, but the logo seemed well, hard to read. He suggested to Rice that she modify the first and last S's of the two words. There could be no doubt about what the logo said or represented. She returned to her office and did just that, modifying the two S's in the title, one at the beginning and one at the end, by foreshortening the two ligatures of the two S's and connecting them, the first S to the T and the last S to the R. She showed that second revised version to George, and he liked it, and the logo went to finish without any further modifications. After all the pages for the rest of the brochure were completed, Another meeting with Lucas was necessary to present to him the final work. This final meeting took place at a soundstage in Midtown Los Angeles behind a plain storefront south of Hollywood Boulevard. An actor in full Greedo makeup and costume opened the door. He was smoking a cigarette out of a straw affixed to the end of his nose and a wreath of smoke billowed out in all directions. Rice walked past Greedo and found George Lucas in the back directing inserts of the cantina scene. George looked over the brochure. It was approved. A few days after Rice received the okay to print, she received a phone call from Lucasfilm. It was producer Gary Kurtz. The title treatment had already been completed, but Kurtz mentioned that 
the logo from Perry did not, quote, read as well in the main titles. The one designed by Rice looked much better. So they, he and George, replaced that version with Rice's version. And wow, Kurt said. They had to flatten the bottom of the W to make everything more readable, and unfortunately, they'd already completed the titles and couldn't redo them. She wouldn't be credited. Rice was happy to know her logo worked and wished them well. The next time Rice saw the logo, it would be on the big screen. On May 25th, 1977, the now-famous Fox fanfare rolled, and a hush followed as the audiences read the next words in silence. A hand-rendered version of Gothic type faded up onto the screen. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, it lingered for a full five seconds. And then... This has been Hold On To Your Potatoes, a bi-weekly podcast exploring the stranger side of pop culture. If you like the show, please subscribe or leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to visit us at holdontoyourpotatoes.com where you can find additional notes and links to the artwork and source materials for the show. Additionally, you can find us on Facebook at Hold On To Your Potatoes, Twitter at Pod, that's H-O-T-Y-P-P-O-D, or you can email us at hotippod at gmail.com. That's H-O-T-Y-P-P-O-D at gmail.com. If you have any ideas about a stranger part of pop culture you'd like to hear more about, drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Stranger is better. Of course, if you really enjoyed the show, you can become a patron via our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash hold on your potatoes and get access to extra contents and goodies. Thanks so much for listening. Talk soon.